0: Welcome to Gin and Gentlemen, with me, Eleanor Harksted bringing the gin. And accompanied by a voluminous
1: shroud full of gentlemen, Catherine Curzon.
0: So, why are you bringing all your gentlemen in a shroud today, Catherine?
1: My gentlemen are wearing a voluminous shroud today, a communal shroud, um, because we are going to be talking about our brand new novel, The Ghost Garden. So, I thought they should be appropriately attired.
0: And indeed, they are. They yeah. are.
1: And The Ghost Garden is out today. It's release day. Yes. 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 And it's available worldwide from Totally Bound Publishing. Um, it's available as an ebook or a paperback if you fancy getting your hands on something a bit thicker. Ooh, uh. <laughs> firm. <laughs> and in our podcast today, we're firm. We're going to be talking. Um, a little bit about the book, we're going to be talking about its inspirations, mm-hmm. a couple of false starts that we had on it, which we thought might be interesting for our readers. Um, and we're also going to give you a tiny little bit of an insight into the sequel, which we have literally just finished.
0: Indeed, so um,
1: hot off and the press. It is hot off the press. Well, it's not on the press well, yet. It's, yeah, it's not on the
0: press it's at all, hot all off the keyboard.
1: And before we do, here is the lovely Miss Harkstead with the blurb. For the ghost garden.
0: Blurbity blurb. blurb it. Within the tangled vines of a forgotten garden, can a blossoming new love overcome an ancient evil that threatens both the living and the dead? Whitmore Hall is a respected but remote boys' school where a brute reigns as headmaster. With its forsaken walled garden, a tragic past, and midnight footsteps heard from an empty clock tower, it's a place where the dead are rumoured to walk. Cecily, the headmaster's wife, finds an unlikely ally when the unorthodox Raft de arrives as a new teacher. When they team up to untangle the mystery of a ghost garden which emerges from the sun-bleached soil, Cecily's chance of happiness is threatened by her tyrannical husband. But is the controlling headmaster acting of his own free will, or is he the puppet of a malevolent power from beyond the grave? Read it and find out indeed indeed
1: so the story is set in 1925 and the inspiration for it however came from um well not just the inspiration but the initial idea was a contemporary set story inspired by something that happened to Eleanor on a train yes sadly um, not very ghostly but
0: <laughs> yeah it, was, it wasn't particularly ghostly at all um i was on the train going to shrewsbury <laughs> so not... but it's a very it's very, well, actually where they filmed a version of the christmas carol so or shrewsbury as i would say is i, I don't know no, how to no i don't think it.
1: it is but it's one of those things isn't it like scone
0: and scone yes it's a shrewsbury or shrewsbury i can't remember anyway off i went to the county town of salop and <laughs> and the train like just stopped outside the station and I'd got up to get off the train and I was standing by the door and I thought this is very strange because I was right down the front of the train where the where the driver was I was getting a kind of insight into what was happening and suddenly the door opened and I thought someone on the train had opened the door and it wasn't it was this engineer and he had this like t-shaped key which he used to get in and I and I was I was putting all of this in my head and I spoke to Catherine once I'd got into the count- former county town of Salop and said oh what had happened and I said I, I feel like we should use this for something like like you could you could have someone get on the train they could get this key from someone and get onto the train and then you said why not have a demon getting on the train so I thought oh that's an interesting idea
1: did I just say it like that did I not have anything that made me think I don't wonder why that one, uh, I think I might have said, wouldn't it have been weird? Ah, I know what I said. That yeah. it would have been weird if the door had opened and you'd heard someone get on the train, but no one had got on the train. Yes. Then yes. you heard the sound of someone getting on and turning the handle, but there was no one getting on.
0: And didn't we say as well you could chuck a body off the train? Yeah, you could just <laughs> chuck a body off the train as well.
1: And through various bits of probably quite late night conversation, um, we arrived at an idea of, it being a ghost story i think or it was going to be kind of like a battling the forces of evil story wasn't it
0: yeah which yeah. is
1: when the idea of the demon came to be and i had the idea of hearing a kerfuffle on top of the train and mm-hmm. then somebody getting if you like the door opening somebody getting like, yanked out of the train yes and initially we came up with this idea and we started to plot it but the idea was going to be of a modern story with um uh, a woman who was going to uh, go to? I think Yorkshire. Yes. Um, to catalogue a library. I think is that right?
0: Yes, it was. So she was a historian specialising in domestic culture, mm. and it was going to be that it was like a a recipe book that also was a book of spells or something, mm. and there was a spoon that mm. had the roll. <laughs> we should use that recipe book again. I think we should. Yeah, don't nick yeah, that. Don't
1: that. That's copyrighted. <laughs> <laughs> And I said wouldn't it be great if she meets on the train or on the station initially a sort of very um <laughs> well quite an unusual character for me um a kind of like muscly alpha male who actually turned out to be quite a funny guy yeah. um who helps her get and this was inspired wasn't it by a real situation where someone I saw helped a woman get um
0: Remember, yeah, oh, he yes. had to get a
1: drink out of a vending machine and then said in what he thought was a charming way, Do you want me to drink it for you too? And she looked really unimpressed. And he inspired this idea. So we started mm. to write it and he was called Raf originally, is he? That continued. And he was also called De Chastelain, which is the name that I've had kicking around forever looking mm. for a character. Um and we put them on the train together, didn't we? And yeah. they had a we didn't really have much of a plot for them, which in retrospect was a mistake
0: (laughs) yeah i think because we had the vague idea and then we just thought let's write a a, write a test scene and we often do this because Mm. often then you start playing with the ideas in the story and you start playing with the characters and from that you can sometimes Mm. think oh actually now i can see where this story is going yeah and then write a very detailed type plot for it but we did just kind of let it go and they kind of they loved talking to each other didn't they and it was going on and on
1: (laughs) yeah And and there was a lot of talk and not much happening
0: yeah, there was um, some banging around on the roof of the
1: train. There was some vague banging around. Um, and he, I remember there was a whole, which I quite liked, which we should use again. There was a whole little, he had a little picnic, didn't he, on the train that he bought with oh, him yeah. that he started sharing with her. But ultimately, it was that kind of thing of it's too early for this. That mm. If I were reading it, we don't know anything about him. Yeah, he seemed like a characterful guy to sit near on a train, but ultimately. Mm, you know. And then they got off the train at the other end.
0: I think they nearly boffed on the train as well, they? Didn't they did,
1: yeah. We decided that they would have this, like, animal attraction, yeah. which is in some books works, and we have actually, um, you know, we've, we've, we've got some ideas that are going to involve that kind of, not love at first, love at, lust at first sight, mm. but it became really apparent that in this, that was the wrong approach. Yeah. Um, and it felt like we were kind of, that we liked the idea of them, oh, they're real, you know, different, she's very considered and careful Mm. and he's really kind of the idea was he was gonna seem a bit handsome but a bit thick yeah but he wasn't actually thick but he just came across more kind of a bit it was characterful and it was entertaining to write but i we felt like we'd gone there was nowhere to go with them after that so we took them off the train we decided that they wouldn't canoodle um and we took them off the train and then (laughs) realized we have to now have a plot and we had a few set piece ideas, didn't we?
0: Yeah. Um. Yes. So we had
1: she gets waylaid in a lane by some sort of like,
0: goblin. Yeah, I um, do.
1: That, I always say waylaid. It kind of like tried to rip her head off, essentially. Yes. But it was a nice little scene, and there were some, you know, nice moments in it. But ultimately, again, it was very early in the story to ask the reader to to go with that
0: i think so and, yeah. I think and then she we... turns up at his house conveniently and yeah, i think they buffed again and it was just like
1: did they actually then or did they nearly no they nearly did again they nearly the did. jumped on him on the bed which was actually supposed to be funny and it was quite funny yeah but it was a comedy scene but ultimately you can't <laughs> no matter what some people will tell you and
0: we would try to tell you this
1: at times you can't string a series of set pieces and wouldn't it be funny if ideas together and it turns into a novel
0: yeah, that's that's not going to work.
1: <laughs> um, I've seen some filmmakers do it and get away with it. But, um, so we we went back to the drawing board. I think, and we both realised it. Luckily, at the, pretty much the same time, that it wasn't working.
0: Indeed. So mm. it needed it needed a it needed a germ of an idea, which it did. fortunately it came, came along. T-
1: along and it came along very very late one night. I was on a train. <laughs> coming back from an event in London and I was looking at the news and it was the summer and there were the reports of the ghost gardens springing up, which if people didn't see them or don't remember them, it was essentially because the grass was so parched that the outlines of old gardens that grass and turf had been Mm. laid over were starting to show through the ground. And I think um, in the show notes, we'll put up a picture or a link to a storytelling what causes yeah.
0: this? Yeah, and there were some extraordinary things that were coming through. There like, were. They were I finding, mean, I'm
1: um, looking the one at Gawthorpe Hall now, Yeah, where you can see basically in parched dead grass the entire shape of an ornamental garden. Absolutely and, spectacular.
0: And isn't that, the, isn't that the ornamental garden that Charlotte Bronte would have seen when she visited the house, or was it a bit later than when she'd visited?
1: I'm not 100% sure on that. I wouldn't no. like to say.
0: No. Um, but she'd had... I mean, it was it was a house that she had been yeah. to and of course there are gothic associations uh, it was associations an
1: 1851 and 18 well 1850s actually so ah who knows mm. you know potentially Possib- potentially yeah, got possibly, a, got a few possibly. years possibly. um and i remember sending it to you from the train yeah and saying i feel like we could do something with this with the ghost story idea mm. um and, and i re- and
0: i remember when you sent it to me I'd been seeing all of these things coming through right? because there were so many in so many different places um, and, I'd, and I had been thinking we, we really need to use this for a story mm. so when you said that I was like yes yes we should mm. we should which is a good thing about how we write together is that sometimes one of us might have an idea that hasn't occurred to the other but sometimes we will actually come across the same thing and be equally fascinated by it and mm. so and, and think yeah this will work really well because
1: unlike you I'm pretty much constantly welded to my computer or my phone or something so as soon as I saw it I was like "Send a message even though it's super late at night and yes so we we liked the idea um and I'm actually just looking back through some old messages to see if I can find it but I can't so it must have been an email or something like that (laughs) but I, I can't remember I wish I could remember exactly how that turned into what it became
0: did it start off with going it, need, it needs to be in a big old house and she's so the woman who was the historian and the modern version becomes a sort of put upon wife or put upon daughter yes, of somebody she
1: became put upon daughter because so yeah. we're going to be very careful in this podcast not to spoil or anything yeah so anything we tell you is not going to be a spoiler it's going to be and we did actually start to write if you remember we actually started yes. to write it again with a similar idea, where she was a put upon daughter looking after the family home, which was a big old stately home, again in the modern era. Yeah. And Raff was the gardener, but he wasn't. He was there to kind of ghost bust. It turned out.
0: Yes, and that still had a train in it, didn't it? Mm. There's a lot and of train themes in it this. Still story. had a train,
1: and I've actually found some of the messages we exchanged about it last July now, ah. and we were talking in the messages about how we liked the characters, but we weren't quite feeling the plot yeah and a message where i actually put well let's press on and see if we can make something of it <laughs> um but evidently we we decided not and we must have gone back to room, and probably i imagine in one of our super long skype sessions mm. um what began to emerge was the ghost garden that you see now
0: yeah because i think i think it was that thing of going from. i think the key in a sense was she's the put-upon daughter in 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 this big house and then the Mm. big house became the school Mm. and i think that was your idea and it was this idea of it being because it gives you a bigger canvas in a sense doesn't it Mm. Mm. and because there's lots of gothics which are always it's it's the woman Mm. in the house make it into a school and yes
1: and just to give an impression to listeners of how quickly that progressed the conversation that we had where we were talking about you know we need to let's just press on and see what happens that was on the first um, the of July, whereas by the looks like the ninth of July, we were quite a long way progressed. Mm. But we were still writing the modern story, but by this point we had the idea of what you'll see in the finished book, which is the ghosts that appear in the ghost garden. They we had the same names. Mm. we had the ghost garden coming up in the main garden so at this point we were starting to take shape and I think what actually in the end is what made us decide it should be historical was I think we decided that that basically the advent of technology felt like it was undercutting a lot of what we wanted to do definitely so there was a lot of potential for you know people taking photos of it and looking online for information. Because we wanted quite a strong mystery element. We wanted the reader... There is a mystery in the story. Mm. And we wanted the reader to go with our characters as they began to untangle the mystery. Yes. That by this point, we wanted them to have to dig around and look for those keys to the mystery, which with the advent of the internet, obviously, it's not so hard to do.
0: Yeah, exactly. So, So it becomes you know it, yeah I'm, I'm trying i'm trying to not give away too much <laughs> like, yeah i'm about but, to say something and now i have to hold it back yeah
1: <laughs> but the the mystery of the story which is the key to the, the ghost, to the haunting which i think is not a spoiler that's quite common in ghost stories yes um was something that with modern technology would probably you'd still have to dig to find it but you could just sit in your room with your computer and do quite a lot of searching and find it
0: yeah you could you could go and find my past and <laughs> Yeah, or, pretty Or much. Any, any other genealogical website that's available. Pretty much, yeah. Um, <laughs> figure it out. And
1: looking at this, actually, by the 20th of July, we were clearly back, we were where we decided to go, which is 1925. They were having, we were, this is, you know, we write super quickly, that's no secret.
0: Yeah. So
1: 10 days after that other conversation, we were well advanced into the ghost garden, as you now see it. <laughs> and I think what was nice for us is because we both enjoyed writing the captain and the cavalry trooper so much, which was obviously mm. set just a few years prior to that. Yeah, and this allowed us to go back almost to that time, a little bit later, a few years on—not too many years on, but a few years mm-hmm. on—and to look at what became of England. Um, and you know, it's set on Exmoor; it's a very isolated place, but it's a school which would have had masters and pupils who had been in World War One, mm. and would have lost people in that war.
0: Yeah, because because of Cecily's brother um was killed in the war so it's almost you could almost imagine if you'd read the captain in the cavalry trooper that um her brother had been in captain thorn's regiment or something you know mm. that's, we don't ever say obviously but it's part of it it's a thing we've talked about before in our first podcast i think about how in a sense some of us our, our stories are sometimes set in a sort of similar universe mm. um where you can almost imagine that some of the rel- some of the characters are either related to each other or they're mm. friends with each or something, but it links it links in nicely and it's a similar atmosphere, but it's yeah. it's a it's a sort of ghost story. Yeah. Atmosphere. The Captain the Cavalry Trooper, but with a sort of ghost story atmosphere.
1: So what I think we we can tell you without spoiling it, because it is a mystery and we could say something completely innocent that when you're reading it you'll suddenly go, Oh, this is that. So we don't do that. No. But the book opens, it actually opens and this is not this is chapter one, it opens in a seance mm. where we join Cecily as she is... At a seance, obviously, you know, there was a lot of spiritualism around at the time. Definitely. Um, with the wife of one of the masters is holding it. It's completely forbidden. It's an afternoon, a very hot summer afternoon, very sultry afternoon, but all the curtains are closed, the lights are out. And they're having a seance, and it all starts to go a bit wrong. <laughs> yes. Um, and they make contact, if you like. They reach beyond the veil, but they make contact with someone who's not very nice. Yes. And into all of this one, it's all going horribly. Strolls um, a little, as we say, imp of a man who is um, a part Romanian Yorkshireman. He's half Transylvanian and he's half Yorkshire. (laughs) Um, And he comes into the seance looking for the headmaster's study because he's the new stand in Latin teacher and he's Raphael de Chastelain.
0: Indeed, he is.
1: And he is our leading man. Cecily is our leading lady. And together they kind of turn into the Scooby Gang. Um, to solve the mystery of the spirits that have started to appear and strange and disturbing knockings coming from the bell tower
0: yes i mean this is i suppose when we were writing this we were sort of talking about the kind of ghost the kind of atmosphere the kind of ghost stories that we were thinking of and we were thinking of M. R. james's ghost stories Mm. weren't we um with that Mm. thing where his stories are very well known. He was a historian, mm. and so his his ghost stories always have this thing that there's something that happened in the past that's unresolved, and uh, yeah. little clues in this yeah. in this world you can f- you can find to try and identify what the mystery is,
1: mm. and uh, you so might that... not be able to cure it mm. in Mr. James, but you can perhaps understand it a better.
0: Indeed. So that, and we there. wanted
1: to capture that, and we we thought that the summer was a good time to write it because. When I think of ghost stories, I usually think of, you know, autumn and dark night, Mm -hmm. long night. But summer is so, it was so hot last year when we were writing. It was a heat wave and it was so still. Yeah. And the world was very still.
0: Yes, it's very impressive. Yeah,
1: when I walked my dog, I tended in that weather, I would walk pips in the evening because Mm. obviously it wasn't so hot for her. And I walk quite frequently around a large cemetery in my village. And I I walk there all the time. It's not not a creepy place at all. But there are a couple of times going over. You know when you get that kind of summer sky, but it's a little bit storm heavy, but there is no storm. So it's that kind of amber sky. Mm. And it just gave the whole place a really strange feeling. And it was that kind of thing. It's like it's bright sunlight, even though it's if like 8, 39 o'clock at night. But it's that weird stillness in the air, like almost like an electrical current in the air.
0: Yeah, yeah. And I think, I think it's that sort of time of year that isn't really, as you say, it wasn't really explored mm. in ghost stories very often, mm. but should be.
1: It should be. And also because I think personally that it's there's something almost more frightening about having in broad daylight seeing something or hearing something Mm. you know like it's not spoiling anything that the sounds from the clock tower where nobody should be nobody has been for decades mm. but they're in the you know because you hear it at night and you think oh my goodness it's nighttime but it's a ghost right? but then in the middle of the afternoon that's when you should be safe you shouldn't be hearing or seeing anything well this it's is a sunny is the afternoon thing. and suddenly boom you know
0: it's like all those other all programs that have like ghost hunting programs, mm. and it's always like yeah. it's, it's the middle of the night, they've had to put a night vision night camera vision on. Camera. But if you actually read reports of when people see ghosts, they see them at all different times yeah. of the day, and mainly yeah. probably not in the middle of the night because they're asleep. <laughs> so yeah, exactly. It's well, more likely you're more likely to see a ghost in broad daylight than you are in a, a night with so, something spooky going on in the background
1: perhaps for more cynical listeners you're more likely to believe you've seen a ghost oh, yes.
0: <laughs> and the middle <laughs> of the
1: day i just like to see. Uh, but yeah for us i think that was quite an important thing and to use the night as well because obviously the night is a carries a certain charge mm. for, in ghost literature um and that idea that you might the night plays tricks on our eyes yeah you know and obviously i think it's, it's noted plenty of people have said that, but if someone knocks on your door in the middle, of, 11 o'clock in the morning, you go and answer the door. Someone knocks on your door at 11 o'clock at night. It's an axe murderer.
0: <laughs> so, yes, exactly.
1: Um, I mean, I was just telling you that happened to me a couple of years ago. It was about, um, I think it was about quarter to midnight and my husband was out and someone knocked on the door and nothing mm. happened. But it was absolutely, for that moment, you're like, oh no, my God, there's someone at the door. It's terrifying
0: yeah it is it's, like, it's that thing isn't it once it gets dark don't open the door to don't anyone open you're not expecting when it gets dark, no. is Even it my takeaway was... yeah <laughs> no it's not well it was around
1: christmas and there were a lot of guests in the streets so i suspect it was just somebody who stumbled back to the wrong house but when you're yeah. in the house on your own and it's dark mm. it, you don't want someone knocking on your door <laughs> unexpectedly do you no um
0: no. but it's i thought like when the say... phone rings late at night as well it's like no it's like well, a wrong no, one's... Bad news. no one's
1: got any business ringing anyone after nine o'clock no. <laughs> That's the
0: call. go away you need to
1: get and text me don't <laughs> ring me after that but um, to me it was oh I lost my complete train of thought ah cut this bit oh no Do you ever, You know your mind just goes boom gone oh
0: dear we're talking about not opening the not seeing open the ghosts door. in the day
1: seeing the ghosts in the day but I can't remember oh I'm going to talk about it not being gory because I think people might think that okay Okay. Oh, yeah. Um, so it's not opening the ghost in the door, you don't open the door so it's an ax blah, 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 blah. But I will say, um, for anyone that might be wondering if this is for them, it's a ghost. It's not a horror story. So it's not gory. I personally am a massive wuss. (laughs) Um, So you won't find anything here that was, you know, this sort of equivalent of closing your eyes or
0: fast forwarding
1: or any of that. There's nothing in it. No, you know, there's nothing in it that's
0: gory or yeah, you, you don't need explicit. to sit there with a cushion ready no, to put no, no. it over your face
1: it's not explicitly it's not graphic or explicitly violent there's a couple of moments of violence in it but not probably nothing worse than you'd see on a soap opera <laughs> yeah yeah it's, um,
0: it's not, nothing too scary
1: yeah because i think for us again it's the mo james thing of personally i don't find gore frightening i just find it gross and mm. you know my husband loves a gory film so i don't nothing against people that
0: love it but it's completely not for me yeah, yeah, not, not. I'm not fond of it and, myself.
1: <laughs> no, and for us, we were more interested in building up. The, I think the atmosphere is really, really important, and it is a creepy atmosphere. We've had some um, advanced reviews, and our reviews have been incredibly kind, and they've commented on mm. the atmosphere. But we didn't want anyone to kind of say, "Oh, that's too much. I can't read that. It's too gory." Yeah. So it's not. <laughs>
0: yes. Yeah, and in a sense, it's a story. I think we've talked about this before, actually, haven't we? About how it's a story about. It's a romance, but it's kind of a story about friendship as well. It is, yeah, the,
1: the romance, um well we're not spoiling anything, it's it's in the book, you know.
0: Yeah um, and it's being published by a romance publisher, it's a so romance publisher, yeah. kind we wrote it so you can But the
1: romance <laughs> when it happens, it's quite a way into the book, it's halfway or more, I think. But it's mm. a slow burn romance because it has to be believable. Cecily's marriage is deeply unhappy. Yeah. Um, you know, she's married to a a cruel husband, he's very domineering, he's very cruel he belittles her in pretty much everything that he does and we're not you know it's not an old we're not talking about a traditional old marriage but we're talking about a marriage that by anyone's standards is abusive she's kind of like his servant
0: yeah and it's it's come out of her growing up with a father who her father Mm. was the headmaster before her husband was Mm. and that when he passed over the headmastership to the new guy he kind of passed over her yeah. from his daughter to his this guy's wife it's like yeah. she didn't have a choice you know in in a way that in the early you know in the early 20th century women in certain positions hmm. had no choice and that's that's so part of the for story. cecily
1: because obviously cecily she's not really allowed to go out without her husband knowing where she's going there aren't many women at the school he there's a rule that um that he is put in place that the masters aren't allowed followers Although there is one married master who married while well, her father was the headmaster, um, mm. who's Cecily's friends with his wife Harriet. So when Raph arrives, he's not. She doesn't look at him and go, "Oh, oh my God, you're gorgeous!" I need you know. They don't grab each other, start to tear each other's clothes off. They become <laughs> friends. Yeah. What I think she really likes about him is because he is only there temporarily, so he doesn't care if he's a little bit unorthodox. He's not going to necessarily. He follows the rules as much as he needs to. But mm. equally, he, he kind of just thinks in his own way. And the headmaster begins to get quite frustrated because firstly to him, he's a foreigner. Yeah. Which obviously, you know, not far out of World War One, and also a very small minded man. So to have someone turn up who speaks with a remaining accent, but uses Yorkshire idioms, <laughs> he's um, all kinds of wrong. Because the headmaster is thinking he's from Yorkshire. So that's not what we want. And I, you know, I'm from Yorkshire's. So an amazing place, but for the headmaster, he's he's got a very strict idea of who he wants teaching at his school. Definitely. And this chap, who has been kind of forced on him by being the only candidate, um is not in any way, shape, or form. He looks like an unmade bed. Yeah, yeah. He's he's from Romania via Yorkshire. He's not walks around without his shoes wants. on. Walks around without his shoes on. Start clipping back the roses in the walls garden. That's contains lots of mysteries he's the last thing that dr james headmaster wants but he's the only thing he's got yeah but cecily thinks i've never met anybody like this because everybody that comes to school whether it's a pupil or a master has to toe this very strict line they're not all like that but they have to toe that line exactly so for her he's a breath of fresh air
0: and she knows
1: that she shouldn't even be his friend that this is going to be trouble for her
0: Exactly, and then as they, as they start to um, mm-hmm. unravel the mystery, and Raff can see fairly early on, I think he can see that there's, she's obviously, you know, where the land lies in terms of yeah. what the relationship fight like that she's in with her husband—if mm. you could call it a relationship—and that that sort of affection mm. and, and care kind of grows as they as they try and solve the mm. mystery. Yeah. So. Yes. So, and we then, hope we'll be rooting for them. As yeah, well. we not, hope. We not will. going, this is terrible. There's an affair in this book. Yeah. I don't want to read it. But um, Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 yeah just um,
1: <laughs> so, yes, we hope you'll enjoy the book. But as well, it allowed us to look at some elements of the era that aren't always that well explored so not in great detail but we were able to look at um, the experience of romania in world war one as i say not in detail that you know i i, I did all the research because you have to know it but it didn't yes. get in so we we were you know we knew we we taught ourselves about the romanian campaign the eastern front you know, the balkan mm. theater in world War one and the absolutely terrible situation that that area found itself in, um, because Raph did. He didn't fight, but won't give it away. Raph played a part, let's yes. put it that way. Um, and we reflected on some of the um, the stories that were told at the time, and one of those was um, the Angel of Mons. Yeah,
0: um,
1: and I don't know if readers, listeners will know the story of the Angel of Mons, but I will really quickly go explain it. Which was in 1914. At the Battle of Mons, some troops reported that they had seen what were taken to be angels. Um, in actual fact, the story, I believe, was supposed to be a fictional story, but it was taken
0: as a truth. Yeah, it's in loads and loads of newspapers from it is, the time. Yeah, but it was initially and, um...
1: written as, I believe, a piece of fiction.
0: Oh whoops, and everyone yeah. thought it was real. But it's that yes. thing of it, it, it being that they they wanted to believe that they had something on their side mm. from upstairs. Mm. <laughs> the sense. story was
1: um it was by an author called Arthur Machen, I think it was. Mm. And he wrote it, I believe, as um a piece of fiction in which Bowman from Agincourt called um were summoned by a soldier that a soldier in a trench called called on heaven to send
0: protection and heaven sent bowmen
1: from Agincourt.
0: Which was a bit rubbish against shells. <laughs>
1: yeah, and, but he wrote it. If you think about found footage films now, yeah. he wrote it as if it, so. it read like a genuine military dispatch. Ooh. so it was written as this has happened and it began to gather...
0: esque. <laughs>
1: yeah but he didn't mean it to be a hoax he meant mm. it to be a piece of fiction but people started it began to start being repeated in a lot of magazines and then in that kind of way that stories do it kind of merged into the true facts because I think there um, was even
0: a play somebody did based on it as well at the, around yeah, that and time Nathan
1: did try to talk it down <laughs> um, <laughs> And But what happened then was that um, Spiritualist magazine got a hold of it, oh, and dear. they told the story of what happened. Um, so yeah, um, and Mason actually published this story again with a disclaimer saying this isn't actually true, but by <laughs> that point, you know that thing of the rumor was halfway around the world.
0: Oh, so that's me. where it
1: came from. so we Mons is mentioned in it, yeah, um, but because we like the idea of if you like, battlefield legends.
0: Mm.
1: Um, and we wanted to situate it in a world that felt real that we wanted it to be like a world that was still recovering. It was kind of stumbling after World war one
0: yeah, so there's a bit where they go to the school's chapel, mm. and as they go into the chapel, there's this massive there's like a board with the names of all the boys and the masters who were killed mm. in the war and I have to admit, I think I got that idea from when I went to Oxford, and in one of the one of the colleges that I had a look around in had actually quite a lot of them had those boards with all the names of the boys and you know their mm. students who died and it's so many names and i think and it's as well just a shocking thing when you when you see that That's why i wanted to they had
1: that in my it. school and it was just you know it was just a regular school but they had mm. that in their names of the people that died in world war two but um i think as well for us that when we were writing i remember us even saying that we were very conscious of the fact that some of the boys in it would probably be they would be in world war Two yeah definitely that there are boys in the story who will be of an age to be fighting in world war two and they well that obviously they're not real but when you're writing it you kind of couldn't help but think i wonder what's going to happen and in my head they all survive but you know yeah <laughs> that's my head canon um but it feels like quite a responsibility to tell a story set in a corner of england at that point
0: i think so and i think it's the same responsibility i think we felt writing the captain and the cavalry trooper as well that you don't want it to come off as Silly, no, or you don't want it fetishized, no,
1: and you don't want it to come off as uh, a, no, I don't mean ripping yarn in the pejorative term because I love the show, but yeah. a kind of like boy's own ish yarn. yeah, exactly. It's you know, there's a space for that, but it, I think that exists in a different kind of genre to this,
0: yeah, I think so.
1: That's there's, I think you know, there's, there's a melancholy to it, but I think that's a necessity of the story, but it's not a melancholy story, and I think hopefully that readers, as it goes along, as they start to unravel the mystery and join Raph and Cecily in solving it and their eventual outcome, yeah, that that sense of melancholy, you know, I'm not spoiling anything, people know our books, that <laughs> sense of melancholy begins to begins to kind of roll away. Do you,
0: know, do you know what I was just thinking of? And I think I remember talking about this at the time when we, we decided to set it in a, in a school. You know the Hammer horror film Fear in the Night? Mm-hmm which is it's got judy jason in it i know it extremely well peter cushing and mm. joan collins but that is a similar thing maybe that was creeping around at the back of our heads even where it's about she's a bit she, she's a what's the word a fragile lady she's, um,
1: uh, i can tell you it wasn't creeping around in my because I, I did my master's in hammer horror you know and oh, right. In the night is one of my least favorite <laughs> yeah i'm not a big fan of the psychological hammers I felt that they they were a bit cookie. Once you've seen one, one of those. It's a good film. yes. But it's a good film. But I'd still rather watch a Dracula.
0: (laughs) Yeah, and she's she's the headmistress headmistress's wife, the headmaster's wife. I was just saying earlier about um setting the school in Exmoor, um, and it's in a very remote bit of Exmoor. Mm. And part of that idea was you know if you set it in I don't know the middle of Winchester. It's not not the same. It's the idea of of Cecily having been kept very much away from the Mm. world. So she's quite unworldly. Mm. And I think Um, that came
1: as well from a kind of um, aborted idea I had many years ago. I think I spoke to you about it, a ghost story set, if you like, on the edge of the country. mm. And elements of that, it was a big stately home um, and it had ghosts in there (laughs) and kind of like isolated. Elements of that certainly have made it into the
0: ghost garden. The Brontes. Mm. their, Their gothic things are set in remote Moorish mm. sort of places, Moorish sort of places, on on, them. Set on in the set yeah, sort of Moorland settings. Mm-hmm. And there is something very evocative about a Moorland mm. setting, I think, isn't there?
1: But as we later see later on in the book, it's also very beautiful. It so, is. So, you know, not giving anything away, there's a segment that readers will know when they get to it, where you start to see the other side of the Moors, so and the Moors, something that can be quite menacing and isolating and also be very beautiful and warming, heartwarming, if you like, although, ooh, you know, warms my chilly little heart yeah um but also i will say there's um without spoiling it very careful there's a couple of book bits in the book that when we wrote them even when we read them back and other people have read them they kind of go "Ooh, that bit's really creepy yeah and there's a bit in particular with someone peeking through a keyhole that you'll know when you get to it and again don't worry it's nothing gory but when we read it back and do the edits i remember saying all oh, that bit always makes me go in a film you go "Ooh." <laughs> <laughs> Which is good in a go so If it makes the authors do that, I think that's good.
0: Yeah. It's always a funny thing about writing a story is that you, you have to, when you have to read it back when, when the editor sends it, and it's been mm. a while since you've read it, you've written it, and you've written other things since then. Mm. So you sit down to read it, and there's bits that you'll remember, and then there's other bits where you'll go, I completely forgot about that. That, mm. was, that was really scary. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> I frightened myself. Yeah, <laughs> so. I think so. I think
1: so. And I think it's got I, a, a memorable villain. Definitely. I would say a memorable villain who is... well, he's he's a creepy fella, let's just say that.
0: (laughs) Just just a bit.
1: (laughs) So it's The Ghost Garden and it is out now. It's fresh off the presses. And you should definitely, you should absolutely, definitely read it because if you're listening to this podcast, you need to read it now because you need to see all of these moments coming together. Yes. You need to see the bits where you go,
0: ooh, as well. Yeah. Then you can go... It's funny that so many trains were involved in the inspiration of this, and that there's and no, trains no train in, in the it. story at all. <laughs> Not at all. Um, well, no you know, even, even in those days, you know, you weren't going to get trains on very remote corners of Exmoor. So you probably buy it actually, you know, pre beaching, they're probably the odd one. Well, they had there were some trains that went up from the coast in Somerset up into the moors for the um minerals that they were mining. On yeah, the moors. so they would. But if anyone but, could
1: get on one of those, it would have been Raf.
0: Oh, he would have come and it, wouldn't he?
1: Yeah.
0: <laughs> if we'd needed it to. <laughs> it's
1: called it's called the Ghost Garden. It's available worldwide now in ebook and paperback. So go along to your favourite retailer. Why don't you do it online? Do it now. And go and treat yourself to the Ghost Garden.
0: <laughs> <laughs> don't wait to get a reminder from Amazon. <laughs>
1: no, do it now. Do, do it, now. it. You know you want
0: to. And and if you have a copy and you happen to bump into us, then we'll sign it for you. If you get the paper, but I'm not signing the front of your Kindle because it will just break it.
1: <laughs> and it's time to find out, in keeping with tradition, because after this many episodes, it is a tradition. Eleanor, who is putting the fears in your gin this week?
0: Okay, I'm not sure which, which name to say. Is it Steve Coogan? Is it Alan Partridge? But basically, um, uh-huh. Uh-huh, there's series this time has finished and it was very good and then i realized that i had managed to not see mid-morning matters because i don't have sky which you realized originally... it when i
1: barked it at you didn't you yeah. you've not seen mid-morning matters
0: well I, I remembered it being a thing and then i just never never watched it because i don't have sky so i finally got round to buying the dvd and it's very very funny so He is disturbingly like one of my brothers, but (laughs) I'm going to skip over that. He isn't a DJ, by the way, but he is just, yeah, he is a bit Partridge esque, is all I'm going to say. So, yeah, excellent stuff. Well done. So, who's putting the fizz in your gin, Catherine? Well, it's an
1: unnamed man. Ooh, it's a mystery. It's not an unnamed man. Yes, as Eleanor knows, and as some of you might know, that one of my favourite things to do is to take my airband radio and my binoculars. And to go and sit and watch the planes taking off at airports. <laughs> True, I absolutely love to do it. And I sit there, and this is not sponsored, but I sit with my flight radar on my iPad. And I watch the planes come and go, and I can spend hours doing that. Um, but putting this in my gin is the pilot of a Jet 2 airplane this week, who despite extremely heavy winds and an incredibly busy roster on the runway, took the time to give an extremely spirited wave to a big bunch of children that were also watching the planes. They'd been waving and waving and waving for ages and all of the Ryanair pilots didn't wave back. So Ugh. shocking behaviour from well, Ryanair you, you pilots. Well, you have
0: to pay extra for the pay pilot extra to wave. get a wave from the
1: pilot. But whoever you are, the man, the pilot of the Jet 2 to Malaga, I think it was, who had very lovely forearms and a really chunky watch and gave the kids a huge wave and they absolutely loved it and they were all cheering and jumping up and down put the fizz in my gin. And I did actually mention to Eleanor before we started this that on what I think a bit of research might have been the 30th of June, 1985, when I was just a tiny wee Catherine, I went to Castle Donington to see Concord taking off. And the Concord pilot not only waved, but also dipped the nose cone at (laughs) us and put in place my love of watching planes, listening in on pilots. And I think potentially my thing for... Kind of smooth older men, I think, may have So I just thought it was really nice. It was nice to see. And Excellent. It was great to see. So thank you, unnamed pilot. I hope you enjoyed just stuff over in Malaga.
0: Yes, I think we had lots of sangria. Well, no, not yeah. too much, because otherwise he'd struggle flying the plane back. But... Well,
1: enough that he enjoyed it, but not so much that it was still worse for it when he had to fly back.
0: I don't, I don't think they get a very big turnaround unless they swap the pilots. But like, you know.
1: I, I don't get me because I will bore you to death with it. and You don't want me to.
0: Okay. I just thought
1: not... Eleanor said, well, hopefully not. I've just taken Eleanor through the rudiments of why Concord could break the sound barrier and got extremely emotional whilst discussing hearing it break the sound barrier going out over the Atlantic.
0: So, i think later in the year when we yeah. have we have a, we have a captain novel about a captain who is a pilot of a, I'll of be a able plane to tell
1: you all about it
0: yes we, we will do we will do a flight special
1: and i, I might even have some little flight videos because ellen knows i've got them i'll have some airport videos for you in the show notes maybe if you're very very good when captain guy collingwood comes out
0: Hopefully, hopefully lots of pilots with handsome forearms waving. Of course. In my head, they all
1: are. They all are. <laughs> yeah. And thanks also to the pilot, the unnamed pilot who said cheerio over the radio, because that was an incredibly pilot-esque thing to say.
0: That no, is Thanks,
1: pilot. Toodle pip. <laughs> no, cheerio.
0: Cheerio! Cheerio! It's very piloty. In Cheerio, lovely, old bean. His lovely tones. there's <laughs> well, there's something I want to? I want to just add quickly. Is that the other day was the second anniversary of us writing together? I think.
1: Yeah, it was. It was the second anniversary.
0: Yes. It so was, when we sat we'd... down to write our very strange, our very
1: bizarre... Our sandbox. Our really. sandbox.
0: When we opened the lid of the sandbox yeah. and plunged in we did. And with and our spades and our buckets. We did, and
1: goodness me, there's been quite a lot of water under the bridge since then, and quite a lot of words written, lots of lovely chaps and feisty girls written.
0: And sand spilt around. and
1: yeah, Hours on Skype, the occasional, the occasional war of attrition. <laughs> We are the Simon and Garfunkel of the fiction world, but
0: yeah.
1: without With the better Afro. Hair. Yeah. yeah, without the Afro, I've never been, never been married to Carrie Fisher.
0: Um, Skype so session yeah. over troubled water. <laughs>
1: yeah. Yeah. I will lay me down.
0: So now, Catherine, let's have a look at what's coming out of the inkwell. Well, climbing this, this out week.
1: of the inkwell. Um, this week is well. Hot off the presses, well no, hot into the computer We have just finished As I said earlier, the sequel To The Ghost Garden We have, and timely it's got, Yeah, I has got all kinds of Scarifying things, it's set In Yorkshire, yes um, <laughs> My stomping ground We accompany our heroes To Raft's home village Of Acastagaro, and As they put plans in place For a very important event um, they run afoul of an ancient source of
0: trouble. Yes, and it's fortunate that they are now quite experienced with dealing with ancient forces of evil. Yes, um, so they so they know what to do. But it is quite a Horrible um, yeah. thingy that a beastie that they're yes. up against, and we'll um, say
1: this as well: this is not the beastie, but keep your fly spray handy because you might need it.
0: Yeah, it's um, again, it's not it's not gory; it's just a bit horrible.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's not gory, but it'll make you go. Ooh. Yeah, you Also, climbing out of our inquiry now is something that we're just started, so we're not going to tell you too much about. But it it's a little story set in a very famous building, and it's got. <laughs> More yeah, than not the, the O2. St- <laughs> no, it's got more than a sister romance, a few tantrums, and lots of tiaras. And I think we should say no more than that.
0: So today, obviously, it's publication day if you're listening to this on the twenty third of April um, for the Ghost Garden. Yeah. Um we really hope you enjoy it. If you're not, you are not if you've not read Ghost Stories before, but you like our other books, then I'd just say give it a go. Mm. And if um, you've not read Ghost
1: Stories before and you don't like our other books, go and give it a go anyway. You yeah. might like this one. And if yeah. you've not read any of our books we're better to start than with the ghost garden.
0: Well, yes, it's a lovely, yeah. it's a lovely book.
1: And if you're so. listening to this at some point in the future, guess what? It's still available. It,
0: it will always be available.
1: No hopefully, <laughs> this, is, this is the podcast that just keeps on giving.
0: Yes. Yeah, so when, when this is the year 2050, and you're in an archive trying to find out about podcasts, or on a
1: space station
0: <laughs> listening to it whilst eating, century.
1: listening to it whilst eating a meal pill,
0: and in wondering one pill
1: tastes like t bone steak and chocolate gatto you can still read the
0: ghost garden
1: i don't know yeah. maybe you can get it beamed directly onto your retina these days
0: i don't know maybe and it can actually be injected into your head yeah, it can be <laughs> straight injected into your, your cerebral cortex yeah.
1: so you have no excuse and in case i haven't mentioned the title it's called the ghost garden
0: it is and it's the first installment of the disjustin chronicles yeah it is. So...
1: And if you're listening to this in the far future, there are probably other installments now, so you could just get them as well. Yeah, but make sure you read them in order. Yeah, read them in order or you'll be all over the place, won't you?
0: But I'm sure they can
1: also be enjoyed as standalone books.
0: I think so, yes. (laughs) Of course, because it's marvellous (laughs) stories.
1: So we'll let you get back to your meal pill. And your suspended animation and probably, you know, look out for xenomorphs hiding in dark corners. Yeah, there's there's
0: something dodgy in John Hurt's stomach, so watch out for that. Yeah,
1: you're probably wondering who John Hurt is now because you're 500 years into the future. So go away and look him up on your amazing virtual reality machine and tell him that we sent
0: you. Bye! Bye! (laughs) Find out more at our website, cousinharksdid.co.uk. And thank you, purple-planet.com, for the music.